Thank you for tuning in. And welcome again to season two of the AEC Leadership Today podcast. We have a special episode here as we kick off the new season. Our guest today is Liz Yuzo, Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at H2M Architects and Engineers based in the greater New York City metro area. I'm not sure exactly where to start with Liz. She's gracious and confident, practical and entrepreneurial, committed and empowering, and in many ways, an HR and support discipline trailblazer. And I sensed that the very first time we met over a year and a half ago at the AEC HR Summit in Nashville. In this episode, we dig into how HR has evolved from being transactional to strategic, how critical employee engagement is, and how HR success starts at the top with informed, inclusive, and employee-focused leaders. Liz not only talks about showing and communicating our value, she demonstrates it as she shares both what it means and what it looks like to have HR as a true business partner, helping to drive team and organizational growth and success, not just in the C-suite, but throughout an organization and the difference that makes. So without any further delay, let's do it. Welcome to AEC Leadership Today, the podcast designed exclusively for engineering, architecture, and construction industry leaders who want to stay relevant and effective. The show takes on the most pressing issues facing the AEC industry and was created to help you and your firm grow and prosper in the 21st century. The host of AEC Leadership Today is Pete Atherton, a professional engineer and former AEC principal and owner turned AEC coach and consultant. And now, take a break from your never-ending to-do list and welcome Peter Atherton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of AEC Leadership Today. Today, we'll be speaking with Liz Yuzo, a Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer with H2M Architects and Engineers, and we'll be talking about a number of HR and talent management related topics. Welcome to the podcast, Liz. Thanks for having me, Peter, on your podcast. Well, great. I'm excited that you're here, and I can't wait to dig into um, all that we're going to talk about today. But before we do, can you share a little bit about you, your career, and what brought you to where you are today as Chief HR Officer, and also a bit about H2M as a firm? Great. Absolutely. Uh, so so I, I had kind of a unique background. Uh, I, I started my uh, career, actually, in the restaurant industry. Uh, worked there for about seven years. Uh, was a pastry chef, all sorts of uh, roles within within the restaurant industry, uh, and uh, went from there uh, after graduating college to uh, working as a commercial fisherman. Kind of bizarre uh, pathway, um, but uh, eight, about H two M and how I got here. Um, my product of nepotism. My my mother was the corporate librarian back before the internet, and. <laughs> Um, so she did all the research. She was here for 17 years, and I was up for a visit from Florida, and they had a job opening. I helped my mom actually move her library from one building to another, uh, and um, they offered me a job in payroll. Uh, I didn't take it. I left and went back to Florida, and a year later, I came back, and the job was still open, believe it or not. Probably was a sign, but um, so I did. I ended up taking a job. So this was my first job in an office setting. Um, my degree in hospitality management didn't really prepare me for processing a payroll, uh, <laughs> uh, but I did it. Uh, computers were not a thing. You know, we had these big, gigantic Macs type computers that uh, nothing like what, what we have today. Um, but about two years into uh, working here at H2M, the human resources person uh, left the firm and I had done a lot of work uh, to support the human resource function uh, in payroll. And I went into the CEO at the time, the H uh, and the H2M, Bob Pulsmacher, and basically asked for the position uh, to work or to be moved out of accounting and into an HR function back then, you know, good old personnel, uh, we were known as. 
uh, he told me I wasn't qualified for the job and I told him well, I wasn't qualified for the payroll job either, but you hired me. And so that started my career in, in HR. So uh, I worked uh, as an HR department of one for many years uh, and developed my network, um, which is extremely important uh, for anyone that's in HR, having your network of your HR peeps that you can rely on to get you know, information, feedback, uh, thoughts on, on how, how to proceed, you know, what other firms are doing. And we think that the AEC industry is, is very unique. I think there are a lot of things out there in other industries that can be shared. So uh, that went, kind of went along for about, I'm gonna say five to seven years. And I went out on maternity leave um, only to realize that, or I guess maybe only you have the, the senior leadership in the firm realized that HR actually did something. <laughs> so when I came back from uh, maternity leave eight weeks later, uh, they offered me to be a partner here at H2M. So I was uh, one of three non-engineering and architecture partners uh, with the firm. Um, from there, uh, the CEO at the time, John Malloy, amazing mentor for me. I learned so much. He was a chemical engineer. He ran our environmental group and was promoted up through the ranks. Uh, H2M is known for promoting people from within rather than bringing in talent from the outside, uh, which can be challenging in and of itself because you know it's a, a lot of investment in training and development and mentoring. Uh, so from there, uh, I think you know, like I said, John was just an amazing mentor for me. And I think it's really important as a person in or moving up into a leadership position to get a mentor. I can't stress that enough because I think without that, I don't think I would be where I am today. Uh, with our new leadership, so uh, Rich Human took over in 2013 and I became his partner. And, and I think he relies on me in a way that, uh, you know, John, John did, but not, it's different. It, you know, he understands the employee engagement model. He understands the importance of, of, of that in how we operate as a firm and the balance that you need between operating a business and employee engagement. H2M has been kind of in a situation where they, they had a, a diverse group. Uh, we sold off a piece of the business that we had operating for many years, our environmental testing lab, uh, back when Rich took over, I guess it was about a year after that. And then the company just took off. And I think we were very well positioned because we maintained a fairly solid um, uh, staffing structure during the recession between 2008 and 2012. Uh, we had a very, very small layoff, but we were able to keep a really good and talented people. So when things really started to pick up 2013, 14, 15, we had the structure in place, the people in place to uh, grow. And we're just about 500 employees right now, just under 500. All right. And, and there is so much to unpack with what you just said. And, I, and we're going to get into that. And so, I mean, there, there, like, you know, there's just so many aspects of that. Um, but can we, I, I want to start on just a little bit more of a tactical level in terms of HR. So you've been part of the firm's growth from an 80 to a, a near 500 person firm today over your 30 plus year career. And so many firms and leaders that I talk with struggle with knowing, you know, what type of HR services are really needed when and for what size firm. And at this point in your firm, you have a seven person team, which we'll be talking about, but I, I first want to sort of go back to those early days. So when, when you came, um, what did HR look like for an 80 person firm in, in the late eighties and nineties? So when, when you were in the payroll, but then you, jumped over towards HR, what did that look like? What, what was your function then? So basically everything that I did was transactional. So there was, you know, paper, a lot of paper, a lot of paper pushing. Uh, we, or I was responsible for all the benefits, the salary administration, 
uh, any of the policies or programs or policy development, uh, employee relations, affirmative action, all of those kind of those programs that, that went into kind of making H2M uh, viable from an employee perspective, recruiting, uh, and, and these things have changed so significantly over the last, I'm going to say even 10 years that, I mean, benefits, you know, used to be, you know, you renewed your health insurance and that was good. You know, now there's all other, there's so many different considerations that you have to make when you're offering health insurance uh, to, to the staff because they're, it's just a different, a different product. And there's no, no, uh, what's the word? Um, there's no consistency. So what you had, you know, one year could be completely different in, in the next year. And, and I, I think um, the strategy behind a lot of these things uh, is huge. So you have to almost put yourself out five years and what, what, where do you see things going with the ACA and all of the changes that have occurred in health insurance. Um, we went to a high deductible health plan about, I'm going to say it's probably 10 years ago, offering that as a, as one of the offerings and we did a ton of education. So things like that, that used to be, you know, standard are no longer standard. You have to include people. Uh, we had at one point, employees thought that the executives had a completely different program than they did. You know, so trying to be as transparent, uh, show people what we're doing. So we, we, we would set up committees of people that were out on the floor that wanted to participate, get information, to help them understand what it looked like to renew the benefits every year. And it was, it was actually a pretty awesome um, program to show how, we, and we showed every bit of it, so very transparent of what our benefits look like, what the cost sharing looked like. So, so things that were just very, you know, this is what we do, every year we do it, you know, easy, not easy, but just it was a process now has turned into everything has a strategy. Everything has, you know, inclusiveness. Uh, there's nothing that's not done with input from, uh, from individuals out on the floor. So, and, and I think that's a huge change. I mean, HR, like I said, the, the transactional to the strategic has been, uh, for me, it's been, I'm gonna say, I don't wanna say easy, uh, but it, it's been easier because of the value that I've been able to show of myself and my team and working alongside somebody like our, our current CEO, Rich, who sees that value uh, in, in the HR team. We are not overhead. Overhead, we don't use that term at H2M, whether you're in marketing, accounting, HR, facilities, it's like a dirty word. Uh, so we just don't use overhead. We're support, uh, we show our value every day uh, I can say that I, I think the, the team here uh, has um, uh, infiltrated and, and got into the, the groups. And, and that was a product really, for me, of uh, feedback from employees. We started doing engagement surveys and, and other things to get feedback. And, and employees seemed confused about our structure. So I wanted to make sure we had a very clear structure for our uh, our team. So you, so it seems like, okay, so there's almost, I, I'm, I'm envisioning three major elements at play. So you, well, first of all, you, you come into the industry from a, you know, a hospitality management, which really in and of itself seems to be managing people and experiences. So you sort of come in with a mindset, uh, more of a, I can do, I, I learned payroll, had some HR aspects. Hey, put me in coach. I, I want to do HR. I can do that too. So that, that, like maybe there's four elements. There's one, it, it, the one element is you. The second element is this evolution in what human resource management means um, and, and the, the transition from transactional to strategic. Um, the, the third element here is just firm size. So 80 person firm to a, a 500 person firm, like how does that different, what are, how are expectations and roles? And then that fourth element really is the culture of the organization, you know, and all play a role in how people manage, um, you know, sorry, their, their human resources. So, but if we take drill down on one of those elements, so if, if I'm, you know, an 80 person firm to a hundred person to 200 to 500, 
is there, when you've seen this happen, you've been on the ground floor watching this happen, and you've had to grow and evolve as a professional during that time, are, are there any major inflection points, like as a firm grows, that we really need to be focused on from an HR perspective? Uh, well, I think it, it, in this day and age, at this point, it, it's really, everything is surrounded by employee engagement. How do you engage the staff? How do you manage and lead the people in a way that they feel valued? And that, that goes across everything that we do. Um, we never had a real vision and mission, and actually we're really looking at that uh, today, not today, today, but now, um, coming up with core values and how we operate. And so one of the things that Rich did when, when he took over in 2013 was he brought in uh, an AEC consultant to, and I'm going to use the words, and I, I feel like they're, they're correct, is, you know, writing the ship. Um, so he, he, very different leadership style than the former CEO, and he wanted to make sure everybody knew exactly where we were going and how we were going to get there. And I think communication, having a, a standard communication protocol really helped. So, you know, what people were doing in each department uh, was interesting. You know, the office, branch offices always feel like they're left out of everything and they're not part of the mothership and they're not getting all the information. Uh, I started a program where I started visiting each of the offices. We have seven um, and I would meet once, once every six weeks, go to one of the offices and they got more information than the mothership. So that led to setting up something internally that had our business partners meeting with the disciplines so that they were getting the same information. So we set up communication protocols to make sure that everybody was sharing the same way. Uh, I think that uh, the marketing team did a really good job helping us. So we worked very closely uh, with the marketing team to, to brand certain things when we rolled things out, uh, make sure that the communications covered the right the right information and and Rich was doing uh, some regular videos and uh, written communications that went out across the company, which I think was really helpful as well as having a annual meeting with all the employees. And I think, you know, people understood kind of what, what happened the prior year, what was going to happen going forward. And it was meaningful. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, fluffy, stuff it was meaningful we talked about financials and we talked about growth and we talked about what our expectations were so um, what so did, did that new level of communication and um sort of w working to write the ship and communicate a little differently and communicate through marketing and have a, a brand associated with i guess that intentional communication that all started in 2013 with with the the leadership transition um and how many how how large was the you, seven offices at the time? How, how or what, was there seven offices at the time? And about how large was the firm people wise? So um, in in 2013 we were uh, 270 employees, um, and we had two. Well, we had three offices. The uh, we sold off that piece of the business that year, um, so it brought us down to about 220 employees, and that was the testing lab. Uh, and then from there, you know, kind of grew, um, but it was, it was very strategic. It was very planned. Uh, we spend a ton of time in the business planning mode in the fall for the following year. And, um, you know, I, I, I have to work with all of the groups so that I can make sure that my business plan is cohesive with theirs. So it's working so that they can meet their goals um, my my plan is is that's what it's all about is so giving giving that opportunity. So you essentially, I mean, the firm doubled more than doubled in seven years. Mm -hmm. So le leadership transition, um, writing the ship, sort of coordinating um, more inclusive, in, engaging, um, employee engagement focus, specific strategies and communication um, strategies around the business and strategies around communication. And in seven years, the firm has more than doubled. And 
doubled his offices, right? From three or so to seven. How, what, what was that? Do you think just being more strategic is, is part of, of that? If, if you were to go back, like what were some of those moves that made that, you know, facilitated a doubling of the firm in seven years? Yeah, so I think what, what with how Rich approached things, again, being very inclusive and getting uh, the leaders within the organization to develop a plan and the plan needed to focus on growth, uh, profit, employee development, employee engagement, uh, new markets, so bringing uh, markets. So we had a market, we're kind of a, a matrix structure. So we have markets and disciplines um, and offices. So I think that's probably our biggest obstacle is, you know, empowering uh, an office to, you know, be chargeable and be profitable and grow. And I think, you know, they're relying at some level on the disciplines and so I think that that's probably, I don't, I don't want to call it an obstacle, but I find from a communication standpoint, point, it, you know, you have to be, you have to overly communicate. You have to make sure that you're communicating up and across. So it's not, it's not one, one way. Uh, and I think what, what HR has been able to do or the department has been able to do is make sure that those conversations happen. So it could be as, as simple as a, um, a hire for a uh, office and making sure that the discipline is involved and the market is involved and the office is involved. So those key, those key individuals are all at the table when we're making hiring decisions. So and that we'll, way, yeah, everybody's, everybody's in on that discussion. Right. So, okay. So that, but that sounds like a great idea. Let, let's have everyone part of that conversation. So how, how do you do it? So you, and maybe we could get into the structure of your, your HR team. So there's a team of seven. Could you talk about um, what that looks like and how it functions? Because there's some key embedded within the operations and have the title as business partner. Can you just share the design of the structure, what embedded means and what business partner means? Because I, I suspect that that's part of the making sure the communication happens is, is just part of the structure design. Yeah, so so we took uh, from the, actually it was through the engagement surveys or feedback from the engagement surveys where staff and leadership uh, didn't understand where um, or who they needed to talk to when they had an issue and whether it came to benefits or I need to hire somebody or I've got a performance issue or so any of those things surrounding HR, uh, a lot of the stuff would come through myself or my HR manager and then we would have to kind of field it out as to who could handle it. And uh, so we, we took a step back, I'm gonna say probably five, six years, at least six years ago and said, we need to make sure that staff out on the floor understand who they need to go to when they have questions, concerns, thoughts, whatever it is. So we restructured uh, the roles within the group. Uh, and not everybody, we have, we have people that do traditional HR roles as well, but we took three of the staff that were very interested in, in having that 360. So they're, they're dealing with everything from you know, recruiting to offboarding, so, uh, and everything in between for, for a group. So we kind of separated certain groups and uh, put individuals in charge of those groups. And we, we've changed that along the way. You know, if there was maybe a, a chemistry issue with one group, we might've switched it with another group. So, and, and the, the HR people infiltrated, we communicated super like, really well uh, as to what these individuals were doing and how they were going to support the units. And now, I mean, if, if I have somebody out, they're like, what am I going to do? So they're, they rely every day, whether they're, and, and everybody's got access 24 seven texting, everybody got cell phones, every, you know, or we use cell phone allowances, but because I wanted those individuals to have access, not to me, to them. So they got to know the people, they attended the meetings, 
if there's strategic initiatives that are going on, the, the HR business partner is part of those strategic initiative, initiatives. Um, the salary uh, review or performance reviews, while we, we ditch the annual performance review, we, uh, we, we do some other things that uh, are replacing it. So, and I, and I can see it happening like, you know, every day I see the leaders, they walk over into my area here and looking for their business partner. So if they need to solve a problem, they'll bring the business partner in. It could be an employee problem. It could be a, uh, a workflow problem. It could be a recruiting problem, a project problem. Uh, they bring the team in. And, and we, we meet regularly so that we can benefit from each other. So the issues and problems that each of us have, we can benefit by talking a lot of those things through. So you had, so a seven person team, uh, and so three embedded sort of in the day-to-day operations, everything from recruiting to offboarding and, and everything in between. And um, they're sort of embedded in, in that the communication, they're just involved with meetings and everyone knows that they're the one-stop shopping to then mm-hmm. sort of work through. And then, the, you know, there's traditional roles of HR and then you oversee that. But it's interesting. So, the, you know, the whole move towards HR as a business partner sort of is, is one person that can just speak language at the board level or at the executive, you know, just to be able to speak language to people issues and, and translate business language, you know, back to people issues and, and vice versa. But you've taken it one step further and the, the bis- business partners are, are, are actually embedded in the organization too. How, how did you come up with how important is the term business partner and how did you find people who understood HR um, but also could understand operations be part of this 360? I mean, how how did you find people who were interested in in, and good at things like that? It's interesting because I don't think, uh, if I think about the three individuals, I don't think they all had the same talent level. Uh, and one was stronger in another area. I mean, I have somebody who's got an organizational development background. I've got another person that has straight HR. I've got another person that's got an MBA. So I think that they they work together and they collaborate um, in a way that they can share, you know, hey, I'm having trouble here. You know, what are you doing? So they they work together. It, it almost became an issue because I have people that are not business partners and they're like, I, I feel excluded from some of these things. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So, uh, so I think uh, they rely on one another because there's definitely strength, strengths and weaknesses. So, so I think one of the things that took us some time is to figure out how to communicate some of the details. Like for instance, uh, one of the partners really doesn't, it doesn't have a strong benefit background. So they can't always answer the benefit questions, but they know they can ask the question of the benefits person or the benefits expert, get the answer and get it back to, to the employee. So they don't have to say, well, just go talk to Ann or just go talk to Suzanne or they're handling it. So if there's a question on, a, on you know, a hiring issue or performance issue, they can you know, speak with me or speak with the HR manager, come up with a strategy and then take it back to the group. So, so that we work very closely together on all of those items. And, and then we share our experiences. Um, I have to say with the pandemic, we haven't done a great job. We were meeting regularly, um, kind of going through what everybody was working on, but we used to have these work, kind of work, uh, working sessions where it was like a four hour session where we would share everything. We would have a standard agenda, but we would talk about obstacles and and programs. And and each of the business partners kind of has a specialty. So I have uh, one of them, it's it's employee engagement, performance. That's her her passion. Um, So she also administers the the overall company performance program. Uh, Another person that is uh, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. And so she assists the person in charge of recruiting um, to develop programs and policies. And, and actually, we've just implemented a human capital management system. So, you know, she worked real close with, with uh, the uh, person who handles all of our community outreach and um, recruiting. 
to, to implement uh, the talent portion, uh, onboarding and recruiting. And then um, I have somebody who's unbelievable, one of the business partners in, I don't know if it's, I guess it's data, maybe it's just extracting data, but analyzing data. Um, and she does all the reporting, you know, EEO, and there's a, there's a, a bunch of different things that we have to do as an organization to make sure our compliance group gets data from HR uh, so that they can report on it to the different agencies. So, um, and so she's responsible for all of those types of things and, and preparing those reports. So they each have a specialty, but then they have this full cycle HR uh, as also part of their responsibility, which they, they seem to really love. And I'll tell you, I don't like to say this aloud, but, you know, turnover has been, you know, 12%, you know, 12 and a half, 13, last year it was lower, 11. Uh, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I've retained my entire team um, for the last many, many years. Um, well, I mean, so it, seems, it, it seems like you're next level on so many different issues. <clears throat> I mean, first of all, there's, you have people embedded in HR folks embedded in the organization, um, and then they come from different backgrounds. And on top of that, have different specialties layered in, get together to talk about ways to learn each other's craft. And then by design, that information is day-to-day, meeting-to-meeting conveyed to the organization which is, you know, we only hear from HR when there's a problem or only during the benefits, you know, at the end of every year, you know, with one week left before, you know, holiday break, we have to renew our insurance. Like, you know, there, there's all these other sort of elements that historically have been at play, but this is just, it's designed completely differently. And one thing that sounds kind of fascinated me is one, this was feedback from an employee engagement survey is, is how this all started or, or at well, least it, how it took it to the next level. That, that was, that, yes, absolutely. It was, uh, we had done uh, an engagement survey when, when Rich took over in 2013. Um, the employee engagement group administered it. So we had uh, an outside party that could benchmark us in this industry, which, you know, was really important because it gave the reporting credibility. You know, it, our, our team, you know, not the HR team, but the folks out on the floor, if it's not you know, utilization, project profitability, if you're not talking the language of the AEC community, you don't have the credibility. Um, and so I think so important that people have the experience of being in, in, the, in this world to now help us or guide us. So, so uh, I, I worked with Bob Kelleher and his team, um, and like I said, I think it was 2013, uh, and, and developed the survey, uh, worked with them, they administered it. We had a 95% um, response rate, which that in and of itself showed significant engagement. Right, pretty, pretty phenomenal. Yeah, so, uh, and, and we did all sorts of, we had, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, different kinds of contests to get people to participate. But we, and then we shared the data with, with the staff. So, you know, we told them we would and we did and, and we broke it out by groups so that they could get their own data and benchmark it against the company and the industry uh, and come up with programs to, to really uh, make, make things better within their group. The architects, unfortunately, are always a little lower score than everybody else. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but according to Bob, that's not abnormal. Um, but working with those groups. Uh, and then I think the other piece of that is Rich saying, and on a regular basis, at least to me, and I think he said it to others, was show your value, Liz, because you're not overhead. You're valuable to the organization. Show your value every day. Everything you do, show your value. And I started doing, I had always done a business plan, but I never presented it. Um, and I started in 2013, uh, now taking that and presenting it to uh, all the partners uh, in the firm. And um, I think that just showing what we do, uh, we did a lot of internal trainings. Uh, I think the visibility was super, super important. 
So there's, I mean, there's a couple of one, it's just like a lot of things. It starts with leadership and it sounds like, you know, there's just empowering leadership to show your value. We we are not um, an an expense with overhead. We're supporting, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's, we're a support function, show your value. You're encouraged that way. And so you took it, um, whether it be from your, your background, um, you just said, I'm, I'm going to do a business plan because that's going to be a way that I can show value in the language um, that I need to show value in. So is that how that business plan started? I mean, can we dive into what that, what does that look like? And, and other than sort of giving you a platform to share value, how, how do you use your business plan each year? Right. So, so one of the things and during a growth period, you know, we want to, we wanted to make sure that we were able to support the groups and hire the right people for the position. So, and keeping that on track. So that's one example where we said, okay, we're going to drive that recruiting process where it used to always be driven kind of from out on the floor. Oh, I need somebody, you know, what we were, these business partners were in there on it. You know, here's the resumes. All right, I'm going to screen these people. We're going to, you know, move it forward. And then we would be accountable by the report the following year. Okay. We had, plan for 60 hires, we hired 50, you know, why, you know, what, so we were able to report on some of those things. And I think, you know, show that, that, you know, what was done, how it was done so that the groups understood that we were going to be responsible for making sure that happened rather than everything being pushed on to, to, the, to the groups that are trying to do the projects. Uh, trying to get, you know, deal with clients, issues with clients and, and construction and all of those things that are their day-to-day uh, things, we wanted to make sure we were doing what we needed to do from an HR perspective, not just saying, well, we sent them resumes, you know, here you go, here's some resumes to look at. Uh, we took it to the next step to drive that forward. So I want to say, not so last year, no, the year before we had we hired over 100 people because we had turnover. You know, everybody has turnover um, for all different reasons, and we report on that too. Um, so every 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 piece of it has a reporting feature, uh, and I report quarterly on a lot of things, but the annual report uh, that's prepared and delivered. So I had been doing this for a while, but I just gave it to my boss, the CEO, and you know, it was part of my kind of almost my performance plan. When Rich took over, I said, can't we just have all of the groups that support the, the disciplines and the offices report annually? We, we sit through two or three days of market presentations and discipline presentations. Why can't we sit through a day of support presentations so we can understand what each of the groups are doing uh, to make sure that you know, we are really supporting and showing our value. And he, he thought that was a great idea and we've been doing it ever since. So that's, I mean, well, that's real neat. So the business plan basically forces you, well, it helps you hold yourself sort of accountable to support the business operations um, and the growth and have your team stay focused on results. Um, but interesting, you know, but then let's extend that to all, you know, the, all the support disciplines so that we're all operating on a business plan. I mean, how how do firms find you? Like, how, how, how do, is there more of you out there? I mean, so people would be starving for this sort of, uh, sort of this business growth, operational mindset, you know, in HR. So, but I'm being a little bit funny with that, but, but are the skill sets um, in the mindsets, almost as importantly, different to succeed in HR today? Um, and, and you sort of, where do you all hang out? Like, if I'm a firm leader, how do I find you? hang out with me. No, holy <laughs> um, so, so I think uh, that, that's a great question. You know, I, I, I've always had this kind of mantra that if you, if you want something, say it, you know, don't think that somebody else is going to figure it out for you or see that you want something, uh, the communication part of it. But I mean, I have to say the partnership with the CEO is huge. So if you have a CEO that doesn't believe in employee engagement, but just speaks it, but doesn't actually walk it, I, I think that's where you might have some difficulty. And, and I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but you know, I think a lot of 
HR people came from other places. So they were an office manager in a small firm, uh, not necessarily trained in HR. I went back and got my master's degree. I have my, you know, my certifications. I think it's really important to show that part of it and, and you know, be able to really uh, um, have the training and development. It, it, it's not something that you learn on the job. You do need that, that background. Like I, I have a learning and development I, I, a guy I hired last year, uh, which was rich for four years, said, when are you hiring that learning and development person? I said, I haven't found the right person. I haven't found the right person. I think we're very quick to put a warm body in a, in a seat and say, here, get this done. Um, making sure that the, the strategy and the type of person that you hire fits the, the overall uh, uh, setting and making sure that they fit in with the culture is far more important than the technical ability. Um, so Dan, I hired last year. Uh, he's never worked in a corporate T and D role. Uh, he is doing tremendous things, um, but I knew I knew he was capable, uh, and he, he could be molded and trained, and and he has been a tremendous asset to the firm. Um, but it took me four years to find him. So I think what happens is we hire people um, because we need a person in, in that seat. So I, I think it's really a culture, a mindset, a shift at the very senior level of the organization. So uh, if you don't embrace HR or you think that they're just there to, you know, take care of, you know, salary administration and benefits, as a leader in the organization, that's what you're gonna get. Uh, you're gonna only get that. If you put the person in the responsible charge to take uh, on the responsibility and be accountable for things that are occurring in, the, in, in the company. I mean, even turnover. I'm accountable. I mean, I don't. I can't control it always, but because I report on it and I understand it, then I can make sure that there are programs put in place so you know we don't have turnover, um, you know, or we have programs to support the group so that they can keep people. We have flexibility or whatever it is. So I think I think it's really a, it's a. This is the one time it's definitely a top down approach. I don't think that, you know, if, if HR is not valued by senior leadership, and I have to say I struggled for a while because there's a few people that were on the senior leadership team that, you know, had no use for HR. And, you know, how do you change that? And how do you deal with that? And I, I dealt with it head on. I, I, I have learned throughout my career that, it, like I said, again, if you don't say what you want or you don't speak up, you're definitely not going to get it. And it's just not, it's just, that's not the way life works. Whether you want the garbage taken out, you know, and you cohabitate with another person, you expect them to know that the garbage is full and they should take it out, and you're angry because they don't take the garbage out. There's no difference between that and making sure that you're having those conversations with people that you work with. Because if you don't say anything, you have no right to complain about it. It's, but also that, that, that top-down mindset just opens up the possibilities. It opens up the door for, for growth and for you to, the firm to hire people who are passionate people people. They're involved and love some aspect, but not necessarily the traditional HR route. That being said, it's not just OJT, um, on-the-job training and networking. Hey, it's a good idea. I read in the book. There's actually formal training and development that goes along with that. You, you mentioned up front your network um, as far as other people in HR. How, you know, in addition to, you know, empowering leadership that's open, mindset shifts, um, formal training and development, um, actually, you know, working with the culture through employee engagement to deliver the services that the, the team needs. Um, how has your network supported you? And in, in, um, are, there, are there more people like you in that network and we just don't always know it? Yeah, so, so I, uh, and I have, to, I, I have to say, you know, I, I attribute a tremendous amount of the, uh, the, the, the people and the network and the, you know, the, the community that I've become a part of uh, with 
with Bob Kelleher. I know it sounds like a Bob Kelleher's. I, I love Bob. So you are amongst <laughs> huge fans uh, here. Um, yeah. So, so he, you know, he, he had this, he started this HR summit back in, I want to say 2010 or 12 or whatever year it was. And um, it, it is, ha has had a huge impact on who I've met in, in the AEC community. ACEC has done some of that, but I found it was very, um, uh, you know, kind of inclusive. It, it didn't, you know, it didn't reach out outside of the individuals that seemed to be in it for quite some time. So the HR Summit, very open, meet a ton of people uh, that are um, in similar situations and, and do tremendous work. And I'll tell you, I pick up the phone and, you know, if I have a problem and I can't figure something out, I pick up the phone or I shoot an email to, you know, Beverly Williams at Langan or Joel Peterson at KPF or, you know, and I, what are you doing? You know, how are you handling this? You know, what's the trend? Um, and, and, and that way, at least you're not, you know, you're not by yourself at the top. And, and I, I mean, I rely a lot on my team, but sometimes you need to get outside opinions. I, I think that's really important. So I've been going to the summit ever since. Uh, it's it's a great place to meet. I meet new people every every time um, uh, with new ideas and new thoughts. Uh, and I think, like I said, it, it brings because it's AEC, it brings credibility. Uh, you have to bring that back and say, hey, these companies are doing this stuff. We need to we need to look at this, and, and it immediately has credibility. And because of what you've built um, in the organization and how you're empowered and connected and have that position, you can share a new idea um, and, and it has the opportunity to be number one embraced and number two executed. Right, right. Yeah. And, and like I said, then, oh, 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 that they're, they're doing that? You know, oh, okay. You know, a big firm or, you know, AECOM when he was, you know, he tells stories of AECOM days and, you know, it, it, it it, for the leadership, even the naysayers, if they know somebody else is doing this, they want it, if, if there's going to bring success. So. Well, I mean, we, we could still talk, we could talk deeper on all of these issues. We didn't even get into learning and development and all that. But I, in our time left, I do want to just shift quickly to um, talk about COVID, because you being in the Metro New York area, a New York City area, a Long Island, you were in the thick of COVID early uh, when we we're all learning and most of us were watching it on TV. You were figuring it out real time and coordinating with leadership and dealing with everything you needed to deal with. What, what was your role and how did, how did, well, how, how did the firm deal with, with COVID? What was the strategy and what was your role in that? Yeah, so early on, I would say this probably was the first week in March, at the end of the first week in March, you know, it was just kind of what's going on, you know, just just really surfacing in a, in a significant way. Uh, our, our leadership team uh, had gathered on a couple of occasions to kind of just figure out or frame out, you know, kind of the remote work, some of the other things that were being filtered into the conversation and, and what very quickly, I would say probably by the end of the second week occurred is Rich realized that this was happening fast. He needed to put one person in play as the point person to handle anything related to COVID-19. So uh, he asked me if, if I would take that on. And of course I did because you don't say no to the CEO. And, and why would you want to? This is, these are the kinds of experiences that, that give you an opportunity to grow. And at 59 years old, I, you know, I should still be growing. You know, I, I think I don't want to ever be comfortable. If I'm comfortable, I probably need to leave. I probably need to retire. So, so it took me out of my comfort zone, which I, I like. I like being out of my comfort zone uh, and put me in the driver's seat to make decisions, make recommendations. Rich and I met every day uh, regarding what was going on, made decisions as to what needed to happen. Uh, you know, this is a 24 hour, seven day a week situation because New York was just at the height of it. 
you know, coming in, in you know, early April, uh, it was it was crazy. And the decisions that had to be made every single day because the, the governors were making decisions on businesses that needed to be taken care of. So we ended up putting our workforce out that third week in, in March uh, to work remotely. Uh, we had some challenges because not everybody had the uh, remote access. So we had to get people up and running because we had administrative staff and other people that we just didn't give remote access to that we needed to get that to. Um, so I would say we had probably 90, 95% of our staff remote within days and they stayed remote for a couple of months. Um, the leadership team came in. I came into the office every day. Rich came in, uh, COO, Joe, you know, a few of us were in every day. And I think that was important because, like I said, the strategy type meetings, uh, we put in a, a different communication protocol. So we met uh, as leadership. So there was probably 70 or so people would get on a WebEx call every other day to discuss what was going on. Um, and uh, Rich was doing a daily video for the staff. Uh, so it was a three to five minute video on what the company was doing, how they were responding. And unfortunately this was very, it was, it was hard to be proactive. It was really very reactive. Um, uh, so the communication was key. And I think if you ask any staff member, they'll, uh, they, they would agree that uh, I think we, Rich did an amazing job communicating. So we not only did the videos, we did written communications. Uh, we are in a, we have all of our offices have locked doors anyway. We don't have uh, any doors that you can just walk into. Uh, we did that many years ago with the whole active shooter uh, things that were going on and, and, you know, thinking about that. So we wanted to make sure that uh, people were safe. So, you know, when we had visitors to the office, they had to be buzzed in, they had to fill out questionnaires. So that there were all these, these things that were put in place and we set up a tab on our intranet so that all the communications and all the resources regarding COVID-19 were in one location so everybody can go there. But we did start bringing people back. Uh, we are now back in the office. I'm gonna say there's probably 75% of the staff are back in the office starting, I think it was June 10th. Um, but uh, we, we started, because we're in a, te technically an essential business, we started bringing people back in um, middle of May, you know, people that wanted to come back in a day a week to try and ease people back in. It was really hard. People had struggled a lot with like, what do you mean I'm coming back to the office? And what do you mean I, you know, we put got masks made, we, we hired, because you couldn't buy anything. You couldn't buy hand sanitizer. You could, we, we were proactive in getting those things. We didn't want to bring people back that were an environment that it wasn't safe. Uh, so we hired a seamstress that made us a thousand masks, um, you know, washable cloth masks. So everybody, you know, were issued proper face protection. Um, so, you know, things like that, that we had to be nimble, you know, all right, we can't get them on, we can't buy them. So, you know, let's, what are we going to do? You know, so, so I think, um, I think we did the right thing by easing people back in, taking time. And, and making sure that people felt safe. It, that was really, really important. Um, right now we have the daily survey. You know, everybody's coming into the office has to fill out the survey. We, we had maybe 10 or 12 COVID positive cases, um, not, not related to being in the office. Uh, you know, family member had it, you know, something like that. So, and we, were, we had a very strict protocol on how it had to work. And the privacy part was big too. So everything went through me. Um, and and I, think, I think it worked out well, but there's still challenges. You know, now we have everybody back, the kids are going back to school. Are they going back to school? You know, so dealing with those challenges as well. So uh, right now we're working on a flexibility program that we can roll out because the, the leadership managers and leaders need some guidelines, like what's okay. You know, and and uh, so we're working on a, on a flexibility program for the pool. And do you think? I mean, the, the, your history since 2013 of just being in that sort of business partner decision, being able to have that strategy, building the trust within the organization, 
uh, the relationship with with marketing, you know, um, through through messaging. I mean, I, I, was was that part of it? When you were communicating, you had sort of built up trust. You had built up the right channels to communicate through. I mean, that all seemed to come into play during COVID, so that you could very effectively communicate. And it was a new level of communication, but it wasn't like the first time you were communicating. Right. So, so yeah, I don't send, I very rarely will send out an email. Well, actually I shouldn't say that I send one out every day on the daily, daily COVID questions, but um, anything that's going to be really a communication piece, we, we work with marketing and they, and they're, they're the pros. I'm not a pro on communication. Uh, so, and they, they make things look nice, easy to read. Uh, they, inst- you know, put all the links in, you know, they put, uh, you know, photography. So it's, you know, got some visual to it. Uh, you know, they, they just do a tremendous, uh, tremendous job. So uh, working, having that relationship beforehand, it made it really easy to transition to this. Here, here's the words, here's the information. Can you lay this out in a way that people will, you know, be easy on the eyes um and they they uh they do it they do a great job um and, and so I, uh, it, it worked out well for us yeah, an example of an organiz an organization support system coming together to support the organization and the and the people within the organization how you know as we look to close here how so covid in many ways has changed work um maybe in some cases permanently um or some aspects permanently. What what do you think about COVID and how it might change work moving forward? And what do you think of work from anywhere, um, sort of moving forward and from a from an organizational perspective? Yeah. So so I think you know when when workflow is significant and people are really busy, I think remote work seems to work pretty well. I think um, where you have weaknesses or softness, you know, in, in work or workload, I think that's where we, we ran into some, some issues. Um, so, and some of the groups that had significant coordination because we're AEs, we're AEC, we're all of it. Um, you know, I think if we were just architects or we were just engineers, I think it would have been a little different, but we struggled a little bit because we were so collaborative so, you know, we'd walk down the hall to have a meeting with our electrical guys, you know, the, uh, the architects to talk about this building that, you know, versus, okay, now I got to do a WebEx and make a phone call. And, you know, it, it just, it, it seemed to slow some of the stuff down. But I think we certainly figured it out. Um, and I think that the amount of uh, uh, investment in technology, um, we did end up, um, having a um, computer breach at the end of April. So on top of now being all remote, we had it, we had to shut down our network for a week, which was, I mean, that, that, that really impacted us. Um, and, uh, but we needed to do that in order to protect the integrity of our network. So, uh, and get, make sure that, you know, whatever was there, any virus or whatever was dealt with. And, um, our IT team is amazing. Again, you know, collaboration, uh, and they they did so much work to make that you know everything safe again, um, so we could get up and running quickly. So th- those are the kinds of things. But again, because we had all the communication protocols in place, you know, it happened. It, had, it actually happened on a Sunday. It was secured. Everything was taken care of, and you know communication out before Monday morning. And, and I think um, that, that, is, that, was, that was really important. But I think some of the groups did really well. And I think you have to be a really good leader. You have to be connected to your people. Um, we had some new people. I think we struggled with some of the new staff that we had brought on just before we sent everybody home to work. So I think that was an issue. We, we overcame any of the onboarding stuff. So we, we were able to onboard remotely. So we were still able to hire and onboard. Um, and, and that took a little, you know, trial and error stuff, but, but it worked out. And I think that is something that we'll be able to feed into our, our processes. Uh, and and eight, from an HR perspective, we implemented our human capital management system. We started it on Valentine's Day. 
uh, and went live 7-1. And so I had my team fully engaged because uh, we, we were responsible for the payroll portion of it and all of the core HR stuff as well as the talent. Um, so my team, while they weren't heavily recruiting, were focused on, on doing the implementation of, of our uh, Ceridian Day Force is, is the vendor that we ended up with. So despite so, everything going on, you're, you're still investing in new tools um, and strategies to advance the organization despite a, a new pandemic that you're just learning how to adjust to on the fly, which gets to the sort of the culture of the organization that we're going to continue to deal with what we have to deal with, but then continue to invest in in our future and smoothing things out, making things more efficient down the road. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I couldn't, I can't say enough about my team, you know, owning every piece of that along the way uh, to make sure that when we flip the switch to run our first payroll. You know, it, it worked, uh, and and I, I just I'm so fortunate to be surrounded by amazing people. So. Well, you mentioned with the work from anywhere, uh, whether you need it because there's there's a crisis happening or because it's just the way things are going to sort of migrate to for some subsection of our employees. Technology being important, and you also mentioned good leadership and and being connected. What do you think that might um, you might have to adapt your training um, over time so that you know, whether it be use of technologies or this is what leadership means when people can't get into the same office in 10 minutes. Um, yeah. Do you see that changing somehow? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, we've been able to use, we use WebEx, we don't use Zoom. Uh, we had that in play. Uh, we, we built a beautiful training and development room um, with all the bells and whistles. And I think the one thing we're going to have to do is we look at the technology in there because it, it, it's, it's there for people to be in there, not from remote type access. So, because that was the intent of the room. Um, but I think, yeah, we, we've already it, uh, um, built uh, programs. We, we launched a women's initiative this year. Uh, we had been working on for a couple of years, but we launched it. Actually, we launched it right before COVID. Uh, we just had our uh, second session and we have our third uh, work session coming up. So we launched that initiative as well. And actually, because we weren't recruiting, we, we had resources to do, to do some of those things. But we've been doing everything remote, everything via WebEx. Um, is it perfect? I think there are some times where, you know, I think being in a room where we have this critical conversations session that we're running, or, you know, when you have, uh, you know, uh, what do they call that, uh, scope creep, or, you know, uh, in a situation with a client where you have to ask for more money to do something, uh, we developed a program to address, you know, how to do that, because people clearly are not comfortable asking for money. Uh, they'll do the work, but they don't want to ask for the fee to go along with it. Um, so we started this critical conversations workshop, but we're doing that in person. Um, so because it's like I said, it's very whiteboardy. Um, so I think some of those things are going to need further development. In just your language, <clears throat> how you just described that, you, you could be a project manager, <laughs> you, you know, as far as describing, you know, someone, one of the major sticking points as it relates to managing projects successfully. Well, um, I, we, unfortunately, we're going to have to bring this to a close. Um, is there, you know, as we do so, um, is there anything else you'd like to share or add that we haven't talked about related to HR um, or the industry in general that you think can help leaders? I, I would I would just close with, uh, you know, you know, show your value. Again, I know I said it a few times. Show your value and figure out a way. Set up a communication protocol that you know you stick to. You actually stick to and, and and it'll improve along the way even if it's something um, modest you know and and you're using email or whatever it is you can't do a video even a video on on a i'm sorry on a phone sometimes that is just as good you know just somebody being down to earth and, and communicating so i think those two things showing your value and communicating what you're doing uh, are the two biggest uh success factors at least for, for me and my team Great. How, how can listeners get in touch with you to learn, you know, uh, more about um, 
what what you're doing, how you're doing it, so people can expand their networks into you know people who are making things happen happen within organizations and about uh, H2M. So um, you can certainly look at our website um, www.h2m.com. Uh, you can shoot me an email. Uh, it's l u z z o at h2m.com. Luzo, um, or uh, find me on LinkedIn. Okay, and we can put some of those links um, in the show notes also. Um, well, Liz, I want to thank you very much um, for for coming on and sharing what it means to truly be a business partner, not just as a leader in an organization, um, but also in developing a team that truly serves as business partners. Um, in, in that you know the organization flourishes, and, and um, you know all that you're doing, and the people involved are able to participate. So. Um, Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate you uh, inviting me. All right. Well, great. Well, take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, that's a wrap. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to and rate this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to the show from. There are links on my website and in the show notes to do so. And please also share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. It really helps to continue to get us established and I truly appreciate that. And it also helps to get the word out to others so that together we can collectively grow and positively impact the lives of others, both inside and beyond our organizations. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of AEC Leadership Today. If you want to stay relevant and effective and take your growth and prosperity to new levels, it's time to take action. To learn more about how Pete can help take you and your firm to the next level, visit www.actionsprove.com. That's www.actionsprove.com. See you next time on the AEC Leadership Today podcast.